Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the third episode of the new Netflix documentary series called Encounters from Steven Spielberg's Amblin Television. Uh, the third ep episode is called The Broadhaven Triangle. Now, I've already done podcasts about the first two episodes. Uh, the first episode was called uh, Messengers, and that focused on the uh, 2008 Stephenville, Texas uh, sightings. Uh, of a giant craft, and then the second episode uh, dealt with the 1994 aerial school incident in Zimbabwe, uh, and now this third episode deals with uh, this B Welsh village, uh, Broadhaven, uh, where there were many people that had st very strange encounters with in, uh, in, with extraterrestrials, uh, UFOs, tall extraterrestrials, seven to eight to nine foot tall beings, uh, men in black. This this episode had everything. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's a story. Uh, we got to see a lot of the witnesses, first-hand witnesses to this. A lot of these uh, people were children back then in 1977. and uh, uh, it, it all started actually at a school in Broadhaven, uh, an el uh, elementary school where a bunch of kids, 16 kids saw uh, a flying saucer outside the school in broad daylight. Uh, a lot of these kids went on TV. Uh, one, there was several of them on uh, uh, in, featured in this episode talking about their experiences. Uh, it was very, very good episode. It had uh, uh, what surrounding the episode, surrounding this whole episode. They they also featured uh, Kevin Knuth. He was he's an astrophysicist, a, a former NASA research scientist who now studies UFOs. Uh, he, he he made some interesting points uh, in this episode. He talked about how. Uh, he thinks that uh, it's it's more of just a matter of the stigma, uh, potentially, uh, that why people don't want to really research this this whole subject. He talked about how uh, it, it's also, he believes, uh, it could be something to do with that people just don't want to go there. It could be too scary. He says uh, maybe it's... Uh, they're they're a little bit scared. It's it's uh, maybe people don't want to uh, to know the truth about what this whole phenomenon is about, uh, because when you stories like the Broadhaven Triangle, which basically is an area, triangular area in this uh, uh, Welsh air, uh, little village called Broadhaven, where all these crazy things have been were going on, particularly in 1977. Now, the episode uh, also had uh, featured David Clark. He's a really good uh, researcher. Uh, he's somebody who has a PhD in folklore. He he made some connections in the episode with, uh, in that same area in in, in olden times, uh, in, in folk traditional folklore. Uh, there were beings very similar to what some of the people were experiencing in 1977. And he he put it out there that there might be a tie-in now what's interesting about david clark he's somebody who does he's a great researcher but at the same time i don't agree with him on a, on a lot of things like I, I remember reading where he's he hasn't really fully accepted this uh, extraterrestrial reality uh despite all the research he's done throughout the years on this subject and he's very interested he's very interested in it but he still hasn't accepted it apparently because uh, I remember this because uh, I guess it was a year or so ago when uh, he, the Calvine UFO picture uh, that was taken in the UK 
uh, back in the 90s, uh, he finally, he, he was very instrumental in getting that picture out to the public. And I remember him commenting back then uh, that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what this, what it is or anything like that. But he was, he became very interested in the subject, he says in this documentary, because of this Broadhaven incident that was ongoing back in 1977. But he also pointed, points out, uh, he makes allusions uh, to the pop culture uh that was prevalent at the time like like the he, he said that the flying saucer for instance that the that these boys saw at the school had a uh, was very similar to other flying saucers they would see on t uh, in, on tv at the time like movie uh, movies from the 50s for instance like forbidden planet from 1956 that featured a flying saucer uh the flying saucer that people were seeing in the broadhaven area in 1977 looked very similar to what uh, people were seeing on tv now uh now he he made it he made it clear he's not try, he wasn't trying to say that uh, that he's saying that just because they saw it on TV that they that, that that's what they're seeing uh, in real life he wasn't saying that but at the same time well why even say it <laughs> I don't understand it I mean I think uh, and also another thing that was pointed out was 1977 was a big year like for movies like Star Wars came out in the summer of 77 and Close Encounters of the Third Kind from Steven Spielberg uh, was released in December of 1977 but the it was a big year for that kind of for science fiction but at the same time the broadhaven stuff started earlier in the year you know it started earlier in the year before those movies came out so i don't know how you could tie all that in together like that but um <clears throat> but that was some of the things that uh, clark was pointing out but i i i i i do agree with clark that possibly some of these older stories uh, in in celtic folklore were uh, about fairies maybe fairies uh, in the old in the, in the old folklore stories according to clark these things were were tricky beings they they weren't really nice to people uh, they would do strange things uh, they could they could move around at, at incredible speeds so maybe uh, the, sometimes these things uh, that we hear about in the in folklore, maybe they are extraterrestrials. That's what that's what I take out of it. Maybe because back then in those uh, in olden days, right, uh, people didn't know how else to explain it. Oh, it's fairies are flying around here. They're sinister little beings, you know, up to no good, tricking us. Like for instance, there was this uh, one incident that was talked about in the uh, in this documentary where uh, a farmer, uh, Billy Combs, uh, all of his cows, a whole herd of cows that he had on his f- farm, all he, he, they were all locked up for the night. And then he gets a call from his neighbor saying, what are all your cows doing on my farm? Somehow they were transported to, his, to somebody else's farm miles away instantly somehow. He doesn't know how it happened. There were men in black instances where people had very strange uh, encounters with men in black uh, great episode it was really filled with a lot of stuff and another more more proof to add to the mountain of proof that we already have uh, uh that shows you that this is real and i gotta say that i really i, I really like the things that Ke- uh, kevin knuth said with regard to um how how this uh how he believes that uh people don't want to accept it because or, or even study this because they might be too afraid of it it might be more than just the stigma people don't like it i think that might that might be the reasoning behind many debunkers they don't want to like they don't like the idea nobody likes the idea i, I don't think especially when you see how things were happening uh, going down for a lot of these uh, witnesses in this episode uh, it was very i think it was very scary there was a, a another uh, incident where a guy named mark marston uh he was only a a kid at the time and he was uh 
he was part of the Combs family and he was walking along the property on this uh, dirt road and he saw this strange object that looked like a flying saucer in the distance on a hill and the next thing he knows this seven foot tall being comes walking out of some hedges and is like standing very near him and he was scared out of his mind he ended up finally running away from this thing uh, but the thing had no face, and then it was very scary. Uh, some of the in some of the encounters, uh, there was also uh, some of his people in his family, in the Combs family. This uh, they operated Billy uh, Combs uh, and his wife. They operated this farm, and the, these beings would show up at their house, standing right next to their house, and they were they were eight, at least eight feet tall. They were saying. Uh, looking in the window of the second floor, just very strange uh, encounters. It's almost like, uh, it, it seems almost to, to me like it, it played out like a psychological operation, a psyop. That's what, it, that's what it's, the whole thing seemed. Maybe these aliens sometimes are playing games with us, uh, tricking us and doing weird stuff just to, just to see how we would react. I mean, who knows what they're up to, but that's what it seemed like what might, what, what, what might have been going on uh, back in... Uh, 1977 within that Broadhaven Triangle. Anyway, I'm going to uh, uh, resort to an article here from the Express which talks about this so we could uh, try to cover all the things that really were brought up uh, in this pretty decent ex- episode, I must say. I'm going to give it uh, the, the first episode I gave four stars to. The second episode I gave three and a half stars as everyone knows. This episode I'm going to give four stars to it. Uh, anyway, the uh, the headline for this article says, UK's Bermuda Triangle, the quaint village where seven-foot t- aliens creep in hedges. It says the village is nestled into a sleepy corner of the South Welsh coast, but residents for decades have reported sightings of extraterrestrials with the sightings now featuring in an exciting new documentary. Yes, it was very exciting. Uh, that's one thing I'll say about these uh, documentaries. Uh, they all move very... All of them are really good, they, and they're all fast-paced and even though they're close to an hour long uh, all of them but they it doesn't feel like it. it's like you, you want more when it's over anyway it says here Broadhaven is a tiny is tiny it's a seaside town in Wales far southeast with no train station and only a few bus services with a population of little more than a thousand people the village rarely sees much in the way of drama that is apart from the occasional flying saucer seven foot alien and cigar shaped ufo what broadhaven lacks in size and makes up for in the bizarre and is today one of the uk's hot spots of extraterrestrial sightings now isn't this interesting like okay broadhaven thousand residents only there right uh isn't it uh, isn't it just uh, doesn't it make sense to you we were just talking recently in a podcast about uh the uh, alaska triangle where there's an area in alaska where there's hardly any people it's very uh, hardly any population at all but yet there's all these disappearances there all the time flying saucer reports bigfoot sightings all kinds of weird stuff going on it seems like these uh beings whatever they are they like to focus in on the on areas that aren't populated uh too much anyway continuing here it says now a new netflix documentary is exploring the unlikely story of broadhaven retelling the stories of those who witnessed the unimaginable in the late 70s uh encounters created by spielberg's production company follows a number of residents who across a single year made a number of ufo sightings they range from the weird to the downright absurd and all came with the backdrop of the cold war 1977 yeah that was another thing that it focused on it was that the cold war was ongoing well the cold war was ongoing for many many years and was ongoing from the 50s the late 40s actually throughout the 50s throughout the 60s throughout the 70s all the way into the 80s 
So it wasn't like that 1977. That was just that's when the Cold War was happening. But for some reason, they make it. They always seem to people want to seem to tie in the Cold War with UFO sightings for some reason. But guess what? There's no Cold War right now. And guess what? There's still UFO sightings. So I don't know why that's always seems to be something that needs to be talked about at the same time with UFOs because it's it's they before long before the Cold War started there were UFO sightings and and now that the Cold War ended with, between uh, with Russia it's it's been still the same old story. Uh, anyway, continuing here, it says, Distrust and paranoia between East and West was at its peak back then, and fantastical films like Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the latter made by Spielberg, were hits with the public. Well, again, I want to point out that Star Wars didn't come out, was not released until the summer of 1977, and Close Encounters didn't come out till December of 1977. This, all this stuff that was going on in Broadhaven was started early on in the year. Uh, it says here, back in the 70s, the BBC sent camera crews to Broadhaven to quiz the locals on what, what exactly they had seen. One child told the broadcaster at the time, the spaceship looked like a cigar shape with a dome on it with yellowy orange to red light on the top of it. More eerily, another child said he didn't see a spaceship, but something perhaps more sinister. I saw a man, but I couldn't see its face because it was too far away. Yeah, there were some kids at the school that not only saw this craft, but they saw beings, faceless creatures standing in the distance. Uh, so that was something else that people were seeing, weird creatures. Uh, more than 45 years later, the 10-year-olds who first reported the UFO sighting stand by their stories, slapping down any suggestion that their imaginations had got the better of them. Uh, one 57-year-old David Davies said he was initially skeptical when his friends at school claimed to have spotted a spaceship in the village. Uh, and this is something that he said during the episode. He says, I totally regarded the story as being nonsense, as to me, flying saucers didn't exist. They were in bad 1950s sci-fi movies or in tabloid newspapers. Driven to prove them wrong, he set out into the depths of Broadhaven, but saw exactly what he hadn't planned for. Uh, he said, from behind some trees, this thing popped up in front of me. It was silver, cigar-shaped, and about 45 feet long, and there was just this thought that came into my mind that I had to run away. And then later on, he, when he talked to his mom about this, uh, she believed him. He says, mothers can tell when you're lying, and mine was absolutely convinced what I was saying was the truth. And then it goes on to say here, it says, gripped by the UFO pandemonium, local school teacher, headmaster Ralph Llewellyn, rounded up the kids and asked them to draw and write an account of what they saw, making sure to separate them when they did. Uh, and Davies pointed out that it's not like today, there's no social media or mobile phones uh, back then, so there was no opportunity to, for any of them to have collaborated with each other. Uh, with, with each other. So they all draw these drawings, and they all look pretty very similar with this uh, a saucer with a dome on top with some windows on it and a red light on the top. They all drew the same basic thing. Uh, so, uh, and then, but then during this, you had this... Uh, David Clark come out, the researcher David Clark, and he's saying, well, you know, uh, Forbidden Planet was at the time at that, you know, in addition to other movies like uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, even though Close Encounters wasn't going to get released until later in the year. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, no, I don't believe that. I don't think that, that doesn't have anything to do with it, you know. Now, he didn't say that specifically, but when you bring that up, it puts the seed, of, the germ of an idea into people's minds. Well, yeah, okay, they were sitting at home, must have been watching the Forbidden Planet, and then they saw this same kind of spaceship, you know? That's something must have happened, huh? 
you know, but that's not the case. I mean, for one thing, the Forbidden Planet, if you see this, what the flying saucer looks like in Forbidden Planet, it looks nothing like the flying saucer that the kids drew. It didn't have, doesn't have no red light on the top. But anyway, uh, continuing here with this article, it says, Mr. Llewellyn later told the BBC's news round that the children's accounts and drawings were all extremely similar. The first sightings were made on the school field, and as the media descended on Broadhaven, other locals, too, reported close encounters with otherworldly vehicles and extraterrestrials. Months after the school sighting, hotel owner Rose Granville reported seeing a spacecraft just as she settled down to bed. Yeah, there was the Granville family. They operated this Haven Hotel there in in, uh, Broadhaven, and they were seeing a lot of things. It was near the Coombs Farm, right? And and so (laughs) at one point, the the Granvilles were still in the middle of the night in in this episode. There was a a big light show. There was a light shining through their window from... from, they could see it from their hotel and they looked out and they saw this big craft and they contacted the Coombs and, and the Coombs said, yeah, we're seeing the same, the same thing. And then later on, the, uh, the, the thing took off. The, the Coombs actually reported that, uh, it went into this big rock Island out just, uh, in, in the ocean off the, off their coast there. They actually saw the, uh, this rock open up and, and the, uh, the craft go inside it. Unbelievable stuff, but multiple witnesses saw this thing, saw these things, uh, in addition to beings. Uh, Continuing here, it says, She looked through the window and saw this sort of thing hovering, her daughter Francine told Encounters. These two figures came out of it. They looked a little unsteady. Uh, This was uh, the first uh, encounter that that, uh, they had, the Granvilles had. It says, she said they had very long arms and legs with no facial features and that the spaceship had left scorch marks in the ground from where it had landed. A later release of the government's so-called X-File showed that Rose had written to her local MP in which she said the event had left me greatly agitated and disturbed and not the least bit desirous of another encounter. A month or two later, Mark Morstan, who lived a few miles around the Marlowe's Peninsula, claimed not only to see a spaceship, but that he had come face to face with a creature, claiming he saw an upside-down saucer in a glow during a walk alone near his house. He said, this thing stepped out of the hedge. It was a good seven feet tall. It had a silver suit with a motorbike visor as a face. I thought, that's not a man. No way is that a man. It started walking toward me, and I thought, this is not happening. I was quite scared. It kept walking, so I legged it. The next day, Mark returned to the site with his dad and said they found a huge footprint in the mud too big to be an ordinary man, with his uncle later telling a TV reporter that they saw an eight-foot featureless silver figure outside their farmhouse. Yeah. Now, all these people weren't having hallucinations, and it wasn't because of the pop pop culture at the time. Pop culture is always going. Something's, something's always happening, right? Uh, so it has nothing to do with that. But anyway, I just want to say I, I highly recommend this episode. I really think it was... Uh, the whole series, uh, it's very its very intriguing, fantastic, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. I don't want to talk too much more about it because uh, I don't want to throw too much... Uh, I don't, for the people who haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it on you. I highly recommend checking it out. But again, back to what uh, Knuth said, Kevin Knuth, the uh, former NASA scientist and astrophysicist, that we just don't want to face this. We, A lot of us just, you know, I think that's the truth. I think that some of us are just too afraid to talk about it. And when you hear stories like this, this is po- probably part of the reason. Uh, I mean, particularly the one of the scariest things of that whole episode was uh, the Granvilles, 2 o'clock in the morning, they get a knock on the door, 
and there's these two men in black standing. They didn't even hear a car coming up, right? But next thing you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, you're getting a knock on the door by two guys dressed in black suits, and they looked exactly the same. And they had no no wrinkles on their face, and they looked like they were made of wax. And they're standing there asking them these weird questions, and and then they 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 didn't want to, the Granvilles didn't want anything to do with them. And then these guys eventually just left. They never left them in the house. They got in the car, and and uh, uh, the the Granvilles said that the the car just disappeared. And then when they were talking to the Coombs, the, the Coombs family, which was nearby, they found out that at the very exact time that these guys showed up at their house, they had actually showed up somehow showed up at the, the Coombs farm at the same time, knocking on their door at two o'clock in the morning. So how the hell does that happen? What are these things? What, what I mean, what is going on there? It sounds it sounds like some sort of an extraterrestrial psyop. Uh, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Um, I thought it was really well done. I, I, I liked all the comments. I mean, I even I really enjoyed the uh, the stuff uh, from David Clark, the things that he had to say. Although I don't agree with him uh, necessarily on a lot of things, I do believe that maybe some of the uh, the one thing I do think possibly is that a lot of the folklore that people talk about be uh, encounters with creatures like fairies like people today like according to clark think fairies are these nice little things you know like like tinkerbell in the peter pan uh, movie movies uh but in really in 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 the old celtic tradition and the old celtic legends no they're not nice they're more they they do do and act more like these beings were acting in 1977 that's what they're they're more that's what they're like so uh, I, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it, and I thought the uh, having Kevin Knuth in there to talk about uh, that the, the necessity for scientists to finally, and we got to study this, you know, we need more scientists in studying this. I think that was his message overall. We can't be afraid to face this. We got to look at it. We got to stare it in the face and look at it because it's something that definitely requires scientific study more so, way more so, I believe, than, than we got what we're getting today. Instead, we're getting... Uh, I, I don't think anybody should worry about the uh, the debunkers, the stigmatization, anything that what any anything that people say. Scientists need to step up to the forefront here, and and there are some, as we know. I mean, there are people like Gary Nolan and uh, and Avi Loeb. I mean, there are people that are stepping up to the plate, but more so probably today than any other time in the past. But we need more of that. People need to say, you know what, something's going on here. You know, there's most certainly something going on. There's no way, for instance, anybody with half a brain should realize that the the Congress wouldn't be doing all the things they're doing uh, unless they knew something more than what the public knows right now. They've obviously seen enough behind the scenes to understand uh, that there's most certainly uh, something here and it's time for the public to know about it. It's time that we get over this hump and face the reality of it and, and forget about the fear. I mean, yeah, stigma and all that stuff, that's one issue with, that people have. But at the same time, I think Knuth is right. Uh, that I do think that some people fear this whole thing. They don't want to face it because it's just it's too much, too scary. But I think we got to get beyond that. I mean, I'm scared of it. You know, I was just talking last night with somebody about the the encounter that I had, and I talk about it all the time on here. In fact, a lot of people hate when I do it. There's some people that get angry with me. You always talk about that incidents that you have all the time. But you know, it was it was it cha- it was a game changer. You know, when I was a kid and that thing was in the room. I mean, you know, what the hell was going on there? You know, there was something there. Why? What was it doing? What did it want? You know, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, it was just, there was some being in my room that showed up. And night, guess what? 1977, the same year as this stuff in this documentary we were talking about right here, the Broadhaven incident. Uh, that was the same year. And uh, some creature, weird creature, was in my room at night. And it only had three digits on its hand. And they weren't, they didn't look like regular human fingers. I could tell you that. Uh, never saw its face. I, I get, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, but, uh, or maybe I don't remember. I don't know. But uh, I know that something strange happened that night. I didn't know until years later. I never put two and two together. It took me a long time. As many of you know, it took me a long time to put two and two together to realize that that thing that I saw in 1977 uh, was extraterrestrial, was some alien of some kind doing something that I have no idea what it was doing. But for years before that, I thought it was the devil or a demon from hell. That's that's you know, it took me a long time to figure it out. Uh, but yeah, same year as that stuff. But anyway, uh, uh, moving on, I want to talk about, uh, some of the recent polls that I have run on Spotify. Um, and we're going to start with one. I think I, I believe I've already covered this one, but we'll cover it again. Yes. It was from the episode, the UFO extraterrestrial phenomenon is a smart people problem slash slash Alaska triangle. Uh, so far, 81 votes now. We're up to 81 votes with 23 days left. It said, and the question was, do you believe that extraterrestrials may be responsible for some of the 20,000 disappearances in the Alaska Triangle since 1970? Uh, 11 people, or 13.6%, say no, while 70 people, or 86.4%, say yes. Of course, I believe yes. I go with the yeses. I do believe that some of the disappearances of people... Uh, everywhere across this planet i believe some disappearances are you could blame extraterrestrials for i guess that's one of those things i'm just talking about here where uh, we were afraid of facing the reality of it because of the implications Uh, and i believe one of the scary implications of the extraterrestrial presence here is the fact that uh, they could be responsible for abductions permanent abductions kidnappings where people disappear a lot of disappearances throughout the decades and who knows what they're doing with the people that they do take we don't know uh okay moving on to the next one for the episode review of first episode of steven spielberg's new netflix ufo documentary encounters i asked this question what is the explanation for the gargantuan flying craft witnessed by hundreds of people in Stephenville, Texas area in 2008? Now, I did cover this one before, but I'll uh, update it here. At 50, we're up to 56 votes now. Uh, one person says hoax, or 1.8%. Um, one person says mass hallucination, mass hallucination or 1.8%. Uh, zero people say satellites, by the way. Two people say atmospheric phenomena, 3.6%. And by the way, I want to point out that some people actually deliberately are picking some some of the some of these hoaxes and, and atmospheric phenomena, stuff like that, because they, they they want me to go off on a tangent. Okay, so I I did go off on a tangent the last time I was talking about about this. Okay, four people or 7.1% say mirage. Okay. Now, of course, I don't agree with any of those so far. Eight, uh, six people, or ten point seven percent, say it was uh, military jets. Yeah, I don't agree with that one either. And of course, forty-two people, the majority, or seventy-five percent, say extraterrestrials slash non-human intelligence. Uh, yes, that's what it was. It was that uh, end of story. I mean, I put this poll out just to see what people say. But let me tell you something, folks. 
what those people saw in Stephenville was nothing that was made by humans. It was something made by others, uh, non-human intelligence, uh, extraterrestrials, whatever, whatever you want to call them. I believe it's extraterrestrials, uh, but I know uh, some people out there say, well, it could be non-human intelligence from some other dimension. Uh, I think it's extraterrestrials from other planets. But put it this way, whatever the case, they're not human, but they're smarter than us and they got better technology. That's that's the reality of the situation, whether you like it or not. Okay, and then for the most recent episode, uh, Cape Town Man Lies About the Aerial School UFO Incident in Episode 2 of Spielberg's Encounters. I asked this question, why did Dalen Vico change his story about the 1994 aerial school UFO incident? Now, uh, I had some different choices on here, but some people said, uh, I, I, there was a handful of people that said I should have had, there was a choice that I didn't have in there that I should have. The One of the reasons they say he, should, he, he uh, changed his story is because he's just afraid of it. He can't face it. So that's one I should have had in there, I guess. Um, um, he, I, the guy was definitely lying. One way, this guy, this is the first time this guy's ever been shown, depicted in, in any sort of documentary that I know of. I've never seen. I've watched the aerial phenomenon, which was the documentary last year that was released. He was not in that. I saw lots of different interviews with different with, with the kids from uh, in different documentaries. I don't believe I've ever seen him in any of them. Right, this is the first time I've seen that guy. I th- apparently he did get interviewed for aerial the movie Aerial Phenomenon, which was released last year year but that interview took place in 2008 and randall nickerson the uh, creator of that film of that documentary did not in in the the final edit he did not include uh dalen vico's uh comments but dalen vico had said in 2008 that yeah there was something weird going on but his but but his his segment was not included in that now uh, he is included in this new Netflix documentary, uh, but I think that he said that, I, I believe one of the reasons that he did this, right, that he said this because he wanted to ensure that he does get his face in a documentary now by say, by saying something different than everybody else is saying, that gave him that opportunity. The I, I, would, I would have to believe that the producers of this latest documentary uh, felt compelled to include his, his, uh, his comments on this. And as I, as you all know, I'm not going to get into all the reasons why the guy was lying again. If you want to know that, if you didn't hear the, that latest episode, I talk about it there. But I, I think that this guy most certainly lied. There's no question. But let's look at what the results are uh, so far. So far, 61 people have voted. Uh, three people, or 4.9%, say aliens replaced his memories. <laughs> now, I threw that in there as a little joke. I don't believe that. But uh, I'm sure, well, maybe, maybe, what do I know? It doesn't make me right, but hey, maybe alien, three people say aliens replaced his memories, uh, 4.9%. Uh, I don't agree with that one, but that's what some people say. Uh, seven people, or 11.5%, say it's debunker mischief. Is it possible? Is it possible that some debunkers uh, got his name from someplace and said, yeah, yeah, go ahead, uh, yeah, we'll throw you a couple of bucks. Hey, who knows? I don't know, maybe. Uh and then see nine people here or 14.8 percent say he held a grudge could be something to do with that maybe he held a grudge because he thought he was going to be in one of these documentaries before and he never was and hey you know what i'll get i'll make sure i get in the next documentary i'll say nothing i'll say i made the whole thing up it was all a big prank and they all fell for it yeah that's that could be it you know that could be it 
Okay, uh, 19 people, or 31.1%, say it was a fame opportunity. Of course, yes, uh, could be, yeah. Maybe he was looking you know, to get his picture out there. Maybe this, he thinks this will give him you know, his, his three, three, sec, three minutes of fame. Uh, could be, I don't know. They're de- he's definitely lying. There had to be some reason for it, right? And then the biggest one, the majority of people, 23 people, or 37.7%, say it was a money opportunity. Of course, money, 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 money. Everybody loves money, right? Money, 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 money. Of course, that always is a reason. We're all the human race. We're we're a bunch. We're a greedy lot. Uh, so of course, money could be involved. There's no question about it. I wouldn't put it past it. Most certainly. Why not? Now, this guy called everybody, all those other 60-some kids, he called them liars, right? Oh, he's, but he's the one telling the truth. But these 62 kids, it's time for them to come, come forward and tell the truth. So basically, he's basically suggested, this Dalen Vichel suggested during that episode, that these 60-some kids, right, that saw this UFO land, uh, alien beings come out, one of the aliens communicated telepathically with a handful of those kids. He's basically saying that they, they've, what I talked about with, that is so ridiculous, he's basically saying what happened is something that I point out many times throughout many different podcasts, that it's impossible. It's impossible for a whole bunch of elementary school kids to come together and put out some kind of a hoax like that and maintain it for 30 years after the fact. It's impossible. But now this guy's coming forward and saying that, oh, it's a big big hoax and they are, all of them are lying. I'm telling the truth. And I was the one who, who caused all of this in the first place. He's making it up. He's looking, uh, he's looking for something. I don't know what, but he, but he made the whole thing up. There's no way that the, all these kids for all this time w- would have maintained it for almost 30 years at this point. There's just no way. Somebody would have, uh, d- during the interviews back in 1994, one of, some, one of those kids would have come forward and said, they were all looking at a rock if it was a rock like Dale and Vico claims. One of those kids would have said it back then. None of them, none of them did. And all of them, you could tell when you're looking at these interviews with these people, the people that uh, maintained the story that they were telling when they were kids, all those people, you could tell by watching those people that they're telling the truth. And when you're watching Dalen Vico, you could tell he's lying by his body language. I'm not going to get into all of it again, but it's very obvious. Anyway, I want to say thank you for joining me. Until next time.